This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Welcome back to No Stop Lights. I want to thank our sponsors. Before I thank our sponsors, I want to encourage you, our viewers, to subscribe to No Stop Lights. I wish I could tell you technically exactly how to do it, but I don't know. I know as little about the technical part of this podcast as uh, as anybody can imagine. We have professionals handling that sort of thing for us. But but I do know that subscribers are good, views are good. I want to encourage our listeners who find the content, some political, some not so political, interesting uh, to subscribe. It kind of helps us validate our uh, feeble attempt at podcasting. I want to thank our sponsors, Pepsi of Florence, Carolina Bank, Mickey Fins, Marlboro PD Electric Co-op, Francis Marion University, McLeod Health, McCall Farms, Victor's PLC Commercial. Um, I mean, I can't think of a better list of community-minded sponsors than what we've started uh, this podcast endeavor out with. And once again, it's not an extension of the radio show. It's, uh, it's political at times. I think our most recent podcast was probably as aggressively political as any we've done in a long, long time. We defended business in general. We defended uh, the business community. And, um, and that's what we want to do here is try to concentrate more local, uh, local issues, regional issues, and statewide issues. And obviously, at the, at the, the, the conservative talk network level, it's, it's national politics by and large, not exclusively, but, but by and large. We hosted a podcast a week or so ago uh, with Joe Waters. Joe is the proprietor of Salty's. And I shared um, kind of my opinion at the beginning. Uh, Joe called lightning in a bottle, opened a surf shop. It stayed open for, well, I mean, he's leaving under his terms. Um, Joe has decided it's time to catch another wave, do something different in his life. But but I shared, you know, as a, as a practical and reasonable businessman, for someone to try and open a surf shop in Florence was a failure waiting to happen. I mean, how can he expect to open a surf shop where there is no ocean and pay the bills, make a profit, employ people, and, uh, and feed his family? Joe did it. And Joe's to be congratulated and commended for doing something very unique in our area. Um, I also confided in the fact that Joe was not a dear friend of mine. Joe and I were acquaintances. I mean, I went and bought flip-flops. I went in with my daughter, and she bought 10 pair of flip-flops. And I'd gotten to know Joe over the years in a very transactional way. Not a dear friend, and I don't want to mislead anybody and say that he was. Um, The guest today is one of the best friends I have in this world. And the reason I asked him to come on today is because I want to do exceed what we did in the podcast with Joe by finding somebody that did something even crazier than start a surf shop in Florence, South Carolina. And Dale Barth is the owner of Redbone Alley. I don't know how long they've been in business. I don't know how many dog years they've been in business, but Dale is a dear friend of mine. And I wanted to um, top what we did with the unique business called Salty's, um, with Dale Barth and kind of go over the story of Redbone Alley, where we are, where we were, how we got, how we got here. So my wife has known Dale and his family longer than I have. I knew of Dale for a long time. My wife's a hairdresser and she did Dale and his family's hair. I think his kids as they grew up 
went in uh, and my wife did their hair. And, um, and so, so my wife was friendlier with the bars than I was. Um, I can remember my wife telling me, Hey, I do this guy's hair that's buying or going to take the old JC pennies and the Florence mall and build a restaurant. And I said, you talking about the damn Florence mall that's closed down? The one that grass is growing up in the parking lot? Does that guy pay you before you cut his hair or after you cut his hair? Because if he's that damn crazy, we need to get him to pay before uh, you cut the hair. But Dale, and then not only was he going to tear apart a J.C. Penney's, he was going to serve shrimp and grits and dim bones and, and things that nobody around here had ever heard of. So I just imagined that Joe and Dale would end up in the unemployment line and probably figuring out a way to pay the bank write-offs was what I'm figuring. But both were success stories. And and I want to highlight success stories. So I've asked Dale, um, and, and rest assured, guys, if any of you know Dale, you know that he didn't ask for this. I had to badger, and I had to pester, and I had to stay after my dear friend and convince him that, hey, man, your story is worthy of hearing, and the public need to know the history of Redbone Alley, and I'm not overstating this, one of the iconic restaurants in the history of all of Florence. So Dale has agreed, somewhat reluctantly, <laughs> to join us today and do a podcast. Mr. Barth, I'll be very formal. Welcome to No Stop Lights. Well, thank you. And um, <laughs> and I don't know what I left out there. I mean, I'll tell some of these things and, and some of the other private conversations I'll leave untold, if you'll agree, yep. to, leave, to leave those untold. But did I misspeak? When I said that you at some point in time, how many years ago? It's actually uh, 32 years tomorrow. 32 years yeah. ago, you decided to turn a J.C. Penney's in a bankrupt mall into a outdoor, indoor restaurant that served bowls of shrimp and grits. Yeah. What were you drinking? Were you smoking? I mean, what, yeah. what had you in that state of mind? All of the above, I think. Uh, well, I was in the restaurant business. My wife and I owned a little small restaurant across town um, called PAs. We we got into that business. Um, uh, we'd just gotten married, and I'd, I'd worked my way through college down in Charleston, mostly as a bartender, so there was drinking involved. Um, and I heard that this, this lady was uh, going to shut a restaurant down in Florence. I didn't have anything to do. I didn't have a job, and I just gotten married, and I you know, needed to find something to do. And so I uh, I went and met her and said, what you going to do with your restaurant? She said, I'm going to close it. And I said, well, why don't you sell it to me? And she said, oh, I'd love to sell it to you. And I said, well, I've got no money. Said, well, how are you going to buy it? And I said, well, let me pay you a little bit each month. And, and uh, you know, if I make it four or five months and go broke, then you got a few checks and you're back where you started. And uh, she said, well, that makes sense. And I said, but you, you got to teach me how to run this thing. I don't know anything about how to run a restaurant. And so she agreed to stay with me about uh, six or seven weeks and taught me what she knew how to do. But, you know, it wasn't a busy restaurant. It was a very small restaurant. And uh, my wife was a school teacher. She taught um, special ed kids, and she could cook like a maniac, which was a good thing because I couldn't. And um, she quit her job, and we lived in a little duplex, and, and she baked cakes every day, and I went and ran that restaurant. And after a few years, it you know, we 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 caught a little bit of luck, and and people started coming, and and uh, and I kind of got anxious. I wanted to do a little bit more, you know. By then, 
to get into PAs, you'd had to call about four or five weeks ahead to get a reservation, and 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 you know we'd build a reputation of doing things a little bit different, but high quality. And um, my my I, I I didn't know how to run a restaurant, especially how to cook, and I um I didn't know there were big companies like U.S. Foods and that kind of. And I'm from Mary, and my father was an old country doctor, and people used to um, back then. I think to come see my dad, it was like three dollars or five dollars or something. But in Marion, people didn't have three or five dollars quite often, so they would they would never come empty-handed to him, you know. And he would never turn anybody away. But they would come with tomatoes and corn. And so when we bought this little restaurant, uh, I said, "Well, I, I'm not a good cook, so I better start with some really good ingredients. It'd be easier to not to screw it up." And so I went back to Marion, and I went to the tomato farmer, and I remember, "Man, I remember you had the greatest tomatoes." Would you? I bought a restaurant. Don't know what I'm doing. Can you sell me your tomatoes? And so we built a little network of those farmers, and you know, and that was, I guess, decades before um, the you know, farm-to-table movement, you know, which is obviously popular in restaurants now. And I mean, there wasn't a term for it. Hell, I just didn't know there was a, another way. I thought you had to go to the farmer to get the tomatoes, you know. Or anyway, ran that for some years, and then I got anxious. I noticed that um, things were changing. It was, uh, gosh, what would that be? The '70s, maybe? I guess. Um, difficult times, uh, you know, we had Carter as president and interest rates were through the roof and there were gas lines. And, uh, you know, when I grew up, most mothers were home and they were, you know, when dad came home from work, they sat down and had dinner, you know, she had a nice, whatever, pot roast or something. But then, you know, things started to get really difficult financially. And, um, I noticed that, that, um, moms were working, you know, it, it wasn't like it used to be where, you know, the nuclear family had dinner together. And um, and so I said, well, you know, I think there's going to be a calling for a place where families could go and eat. And uh, the wrestlers back then, you either went to a place the kids like to eat and the food's pretty rotten, you know, not good, or a place where the parents like to eat. And, uh, and you know, you know, better quality, that kind of stuff. But there was no place where families could eat together, you know, and and kids aren't real good in restaurants. They like to run around and all that. Anyway, we we developed a, a concept around that that basic idea that families, but the food quality being you know more upscale and you know, and I had this network of farmers that that, that helped us do that. And so, so, so why so. not do what reasonable people do and find you a mm. thirty five hundred square foot storefront? Yeah. And and build your dream. Why did you have to take how many square feet are in Redbone? Well, it's about fifteen thousand. So well, so why why originally? Now I mean, I, I understand go big or go home, yeah. and I've gotten to know you a lot. Yeah, no. But but why that property? Why that location? What was so intriguing or enticing about that? Was was part of the um, the idea about mom and dad both being in the workplace? It it was very stressful. Um, for most people, and you know, the boss is raising cane with them. You know, you know, they're trying to juggle kids, and I mean, it's how everybody lives today. But back then, that's not how people lived. And um, I said, boy, what wouldn't it be nice to um, have a, a business, a restaurant where you could give somebody a one-hour vacation away from all the rat race and all this kind of stuff? And I was having a particularly stressful day at, at the restaurant one day, and. And uh, I said, God, what I wouldn't give to be back in Charleston where I went to school 
and drinking uh, lukewarm beer at the Hog Penny and watching the tourists go by. You know, it was a little sidewalk thing. And um, I said, hell, I'm going to build it. You know, there's, there's got to be somebody out there that wouldn't mind drinking beer on the sidewalk somewhere. And, but, you know, we could have done it outside, but then the mosquitoes are kind of rough and it's hot in the summer. And um, so I started looking around town for this building, and, and uh, I actually um, – Read a lot and saw in a magazine. I tore out this picture of a back alley in China somewhere where the people ate, you know, on the street. And um, I put it on the taped it on the bathroom uh, mirror. And I looked at it, you know, every morning, every night before I went to bed. And I just dreamed it up. And, um, you know, and, and I. Uh, and I was a little bit of a Disney fan back then. And I, he had the ability of putting you in a space where you thought you were somewhere else, but you knew you kind of weren't. You know, he kind of gave you this little small respite, you know. And I just thought it was, you know, let's just build Charleston, you know, Savannah, New Orleans, some small outdoor place. And and the building was available, and it was conducive to what I, you know, and I thought if we were going to be in a back alley, it had to have some height to it. And uh, and uh, God bless the owner of the mall, he, he, he eventually... Agreed. Let me do it. Well, let's go there for a second. Somebody that you and I both admire, that we know and or knew, he's passed away now in respect. So you find out that Edens owns them all. Joe Edens, yeah, the uh, the the owner of the company. You you go see Joe with this crazy idea, <laughs> and and Joe is receptive. Joe is nervous. What what is that initial conversation? that you had with Mr. Edens? Well, I, I called Mr. Edens' office. Now, you know, he's a big real estate guy. And, and um, um, back then you see those signs all over South Edens and Avon. Remember that? And, and I called his office every day for, I don't know, five, six, seven weeks. And they never would let me talk to him. And so finally I, I, I spoke with his secretary and said, listen, will he be in the office tomorrow? And they go, well, he, he's always in the office I said, I'm coming to see him. And so I did. My brother Kevin and I drove up there and um and you know, they took us into this big boardroom and and um and uh you know, I live fourteenth story or whatever and, and you know, I was t- whatever, I don't know, twenty nine or something and and you know, I was nervous. Um I'm I was gonna make a pitch to this real rich guy about building this restaurant. And he comes walking in and and, and you know with a lot of energy, he goes, who are you, man? You've been calling my office every day for six, seven weeks now. And I told him who I was and what I wanted to do. And he said, well, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And he goes, um, what's going to happen to my building after you do all this stuff and you, you're going to go broke in a year? What's going to happen with my building? And I said, well, what needs to happen if I go broke? And he said, you need to put it back the way it was. And uh, I said, okay, well, how much does that cost? He said, $75,000. Well, hell, I didn't have 75 cents, you know. So I said, well, how about I give you $75,000 and you just you keep the money. And and if I if I go broke, you, you can have that to do you, you, uh, a thing. He said, you do that? And I went, yeah, I'd do that. Well, we walked out. He said, all right, well, you can build your restaurant. And uh, we walked out and Kevin said, what are you thinking? You don't have $75,000. What are you doing? I said, I'll figure it out. And so, uh, God bless uh, Ashby Larimore. You remember Mr. Larimore? And uh, if if ever I have anything in the world, it's because of that man. He was just phenomenal. He uh, he lent me the money to 
That, well, that was not the first time my, my mouth overloaded my butt, but it was, and it wasn't the last, but it damn sure was one of them. Okay, you leave Columbia, Mr. A, Mr. Eden's, um, the boss, yeah, well, has right. given you the green light. Yep. You're not a carpenter. No, no. You're no, not no. a construction man. I mean, yeah. you're a visionary, no doubt. Yeah. One of the best I've ever been around yeah. in all my life. I mean, well, I mean, I mean that you. sincerely, and you know I mean that yeah. sincerely. But you got to find somebody that kind of shares your dream, yeah. somebody that does have the ability to build things. What happens next? I had a good friend, Robbie Lee. Um, who just uh, passed away. Who just passed away. God bless him. Um, who who was a, uh, just a, a phenomenal talent. I mean, he, he he could build anything. Not only could he build anything, he could take your vision and bring it to life. I mean, he – I've known a handful of people that, that, that had God-given gifts. Robbie had a God-given gift. Um for, for for building and um um i went to him and and uh with some pictures and some you know drawing on some uh basically a notebook paper and i said this is what i want to do can can you help me build it and he goes i'd love to and um um he he was just this great builder and so he robbie and my wife leslie and i we we sat down and we drew this crazy business and and uh and then started uh, building it. And, um, you know, the mall at the time was about 10% occupied. And, um, you know, we, we, we opened it up and uh, we created, we built these walls outside of, so people didn't know what was going on. And every day, my wife had some kind of little stencil thing, and every day we'd, 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 we'd paint uh, dog paws on the, on the, on the wall, not people that had no clue what we were doing, and and you know, and finally the wall was completely covered in dog paws, and we opened a restaurant, and it kind of just took off after that. But you know, are you running PAs? Yeah. While this was going on, it was running me. Both of those restaurants. I mean, you know, by then PAs was very busy, um, and Redbone started out. We didn't we didn't cut the light, assuming the signs on, didn't advertise and promote. I wanted be really quiet about opening so we could figure out what we were doing. And um, it was strange. Uh, within about two hours of just unlocking the door, we had customers coming in. There was a line. And it just didn't stop for six or seven months. And, and I mean, there, there was a line constantly. And, you know, we were feeding, you know, 1,000, 1,200 people a day. And, uh, you know, Food was terrible. Service was worse. And, you know, we just didn't anticipate being that dadgum busy. And um, it, it was a challenge. It really was a challenge. And, and uh, you know, you had some people going, you know, what is this place? You know, it's named after a dog? What the heck is all that about? So what is it named after? Well, uh, we, like I said, we lived in a duplex on Palmetto Street. And um, by then we had a daughter, uh, Allie, and... Um, um, the next door neighbor had uh, a redbone coonhound named Hay Girl and Tommy Brunson, and Tom and Hay Girl had uh, puppies. And um, Allie went over to visit the puppies one day and came back, and she goes, "I go, what do you have there?" And she goes, "This is uh, my dog, and her name is Clementine." I went, "Oh, great!" Well, Clementine um, turned into be quite a rascal. Um, I don't know if you, the Beverly Hillbillies, they had that old uh, hound dog that you never never moved. Well, that wasn't a red bone, but it was sort of, you know, just a hound dog. Our dog never moved either. Um, 
But we'd leave the house, and the dog would be laying in front of the fireplace, and we'd come back a couple hours later, and the dog would be in the exact same position, and chairs would be overturned and pictures off the wall. I'm going, what the hell's going on here? And I had this image of the dog waiting for us to leave, you know, kind of getting up, opening the door, and kind of, you know, come on, let's have a party in here, you know? And and it, it was a rascal dog. The dog was just a rascal, you know, just... You, how this dog kept getting in trouble, you know, I never saw a dog move. And the more I thought about this dog, it it kind of represented to me what Southerners are, you know. Uh, rascals. Rascals. Good, slow-moving, you know, people tend to underestimate us because we talk a little slow. Um, but, you know, Southerners generally have a little sparkle in their eye, and you're not quite sure what they got going on. And, and um and Clem, and Clem kind of embodied that for me. And um, um, so we, we decided, you know, Les and I, uh, you know, together, going, this is, we're either going to blow it or make it with this name here. And um, we named the darn thing, you know, we're building an alley, obviously, um, and we named it after this daggum dog. And um, who became kind of, you know, people would identify the restaurant with this image and, um and, you know, that dog is kind of all over the country now with some sauces and stuff that we have. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a, a, a few nervous days trying when we opened up. Not sure if that was a good call or not, but I guess it turned out to be pretty good. Well, you, but you've told me in, in a lot of our conversation that I think your exact quote to me was, if I fed you in the first six months— and haven't apologized to you, yeah. I owe you one. Yeah. It was, oh, it was terrible. something we'd never seen. I mean, feeding a thousand people a day, that's like a damn Marine base. Yeah, it, it never occurred to us that that, that that kind of, I mean, we thought we might have an idea that would resonate to some degree. I mean, you know, heck, you know, we hocked everything we had to do it. And, um, and again, Mr. Larimore, you know, stepped up and lent us money that we probably didn't have any right to borrow or had very little chance of paying back. And, and then when we opened, there were pretty high expectations because by then, PA's was a popular restaurant and people expected good food and service from a restaurant that we were doing. And they deserved it. And we blew it. We just, frankly, we just made a mess of it. And, um, you know, the, the, the food wasn't nearly what it was supposed to be. And I was trying to do, you know, really... Uh, uh, a little more upscale food uh, than you'd find in a restaurant typically like that. Um, and it was difficult because everything's made from scratch. It's still made, everything we do is made from scratch. You know, nothing comes in a box that we unload and just drop it in a microwave or anything like that. And um, it, and it was rough. And uh, But, um, you know, our rumps were out there on the limb and we had no choice but to make it work. And we did. You know, it, we, we, we worked very hard and... and I was lucky enough to um, to to get some you know really good young people to to buy into the to the concept and the idea of, of doing something you know homegrown and and uh, and 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 they they did it. We worked for a long time and we you know we had some fun stuff and we kept things lively and it seemed to work. Well, I mean, you you may have used the farmers and you may yeah. have used the traditional ingredients, but the menu wasn't traditional. I mean, yeah. I, I would go to Redbone in my younger days. I mean, I I grew up going to the Flamingo. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was a big deal to us. I mean, yeah. you know, you get a salad, you get a steak, you get a little bit of dessert. 
But but you had things like I mean chicken pontalba yeah. and shrimp and grits yeah. and I and I mean, I'm thinking I'm mean, I'm from Pamplico and I'm like what is that I, I mean where did that idea where did that menu concept come from you know can't by then I had I had um, learned a good bit about food and um, and how to prepare food and and um, I you know I felt like I had you know some understanding about what people may like to eat and uh you know we did a little bit of traveling around i mean i think you know pontalba is like i think that's that's a, a place in new orleans a street in new orleans and you know um i just i don't know by then you know we came up with some ideas that seemed to i don't know resonate and i mean i i learned how to how to how to how to create different food you know i mean bermuda triangles i mean you know we we tried to pair the dish with, you know, these dishes with unusual names that could be remembered. And, uh, you know, we like a Bermuda Triangle. You know, that's the area of Atlantic Ocean, that, you know, where funky things happen. And so why don't we just make these pastries and shape them like a triangle, you know? And the hell, I didn't know if it was going to work. No, but, but the one thing you were understanding of, and you act like you stumble on all this, I know better. But the one thing you were understanding of, Southerners like heapings. They like yeah. healthy portions. Yeah. Um, you and I have had a hundred conversations about other restaurants saying, are you getting your money's worth? Is there a value proposition? Was it important to you to know that your customers were getting more than their oh. fair share of food? Yeah, I'm, I believe that everything we do uh, in commerce uh, is based off of a value proposition. Are you getting your money's worth? You know, if somebody goes out and buys a, $150,000 car. To me, that's nuts. But when they drive off that parking lot, they believe they, they've got a car worth $150,000. They believe that it's worth it, generally. Um, I wanted to make sure that, that they got more quality than they expected, more quantity than they expected. The restaurant was designed to be very plain outside so that when you walk in, there's that, whoa, what's going on in here kind of feel. Um uh, everything was going to be a little bit more than you expected. And, and if you, you know, uh, it, it, it made the opportunity to succeed just a little bit better if, if you are exceeding your guest expectations. And, and um, I was early on in our restaurant career, um, I recognized what, that, that I had something, I, I call it a screwed up DNA. Most people, I mean, humans are, are, are innately selfish. We want to be happy. You know, we want to do what makes us happy. I recognize for me to be happy, I've got to make somebody else happy first. That's what makes me happy, serving somebody else, making them happy, giving them a plate of food that's good, um, you know, a little more service than, than, than they expect, a little bit bigger smile than they expect. And... Um, and, and it just, you know, the combination of it just seemed to work. I wanted people, we weren't going to do any advertising to speak of. You know, we were going to sponsor, you know, teams, kids, team, you know, sports teams and that kind of stuff. You know, and and, and in our plan was the charitable, you know, pretty good-sized charitable um, um, uh, uh, endeavors. But but I wanted everybody that, that walked out of Redbone to have a box, a to-go box with them. And what that told me was a couple of things. One was that they had plenty of food. You know, we gave them a little bit more than they expected. And then I knew they were going to go home and put that box in the in the in in their fridge at home. 
And for the next handful of days, they're going to open that same fridge to go get whatever, drink or whatever, and they're going to move that box around, they're going to see that box, and it would reinforce the, the uh, value proposition. I, boy, I got my money's worth. Heck, I've eaten two meals off of that. And I just felt like that was in, in something that was important. And, um, and I still believe that. Um, you know, the restaurant business is, 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 is a pretty neat thing. Um, I mean, if you, if you get a little bit more than you expect, uh, then, then you're going to come back. I mean, think about what's the most po- one of the most popular restaurants uh, in every town, a Chick-fil-A. What's, they're selling a chicken sandwich, for God's sake. It's a chicken sandwich. It's a good chicken sandwich. Is it, is it, does it knock your socks off? No. But they're really nice. You go to some drive throughs they don't care whether you're ordering, but these people are th- saying thank you and, and, you know, and it's my my pleasure or something like That's a little bit more than you expect, right? And there's a long line every day because of it. And um, there are a handful of wrestlers in town, that, that, I mean, that have done it. Jumping Jays is one that I've always, you know, they, 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 they give great quality for what they're doing. And let, I, let, I just believe in that whole thing. Let's, let's go down this road, if you don't mind, yeah. and then talk about this as much or as little as you'd like. But I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I was told, I mean, my dad toyed around with restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, we made some money in truck beds, thank God, that we could afford to, to run a restaurant until my dad said, we're losing too much money. I mean, we've got we to find something else to do. I've always understood, and you and I have had this conversation, in my truck body world, when we close the doors at 5 o'clock on Friday, I mean, I'm not saying you forgot all about it, but but restaurants are different. You're working when people are having fun. When they're off work is when you are working. Describe that grind, Dale. I mean, uh, I, I've heard that if you're if you own a restaurant, you don't have two spouses. You got, I mean, you don't have one. You got two. And I mean, kind of walk me through as much of that as you'd like. Yeah, I you know when we got into it, I I didn't. It's it's a, it's a lifestyle. You know, the restaurant, I, I say a lot of restaurant people are like carnies, you know, so it's a lifestyle. Um, people who are lucky enough to be successful, most of them that I know, um, have figured out or stumbled uh, 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 upon a partner that is really, really supportive. I, I've got that. Um, less than I, uh, my wife and I started dating when we were 14 years old, and uh, she developed a little bit more. 14 than most girls did and yeah. caught my attention, if you know what I mean. And um, That's a serious man. you damn right. Yeah. And um, 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 it, we've been together ever since, and and, uh, and she's put up with a lot and has understood that there's a lot of work involved in, 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 in running a restaurant. Um, um, people don't necessarily have to do it like I did it but uh, or, ha- or am doing it, but um, it's pretty all-consuming. I mean, you, you're working a lot of hours and a lot of days, but it's, I mean, it's wonderfully fulfilling. Uh, I mean, as a truck body manufacturer, Ken, I'll ask you a question. Did you ever make anybody happy? I mean, Not, not many. Well, I, I get to do that every day. Um, um, we, we get to do that every day. You know, um, that's not a bad way to spend your life, making other people happy. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, so it can certainly be rewarding financially. Um, we've been unbelievably lucky and blessed um, from a business side. But the bigger side for me is the fact that you feel like you really are. I mean, like I said, you, life is stressful. And, um, uh, you know, 
kids running around and bosses, you know, yakking at you. And um, for one hour a day, you, you get to come to our place and we get to make you happy. And um, and I take it real. I just take it serious. I always have. And and uh, I guess I will till they put me in the old old folks home. Board. I know you well enough to ask this question. Yep. Oh boy. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting because you, yeah. you talked about starting at 20-some-odd years old, didn't know what you want to do, starting the restaurant business. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you end up with this big, successful yeah. successful restaurant. Nothing's forever. No. I mean, nothing lasts forever. You know that. You're how old, if you don't mind saying? I'll be 65 here. Okay, 65 yeah. is when – I mean, Joe sat there last week and talked about turning 65 and starting yeah. thinking about, okay, the next chapter of my life. I don't know if I, – I mean, I've enjoyed it. It's been a hell of a run. I've made a lot of people happy. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to do this 20 more years. What, what What's next? I mean, how do you sort through that? Well, and, and, I, and I'm getting into your personal life, and, and, and you know, just answer as much of that. Because what, what I see, Dale, from afar, and I, I don't do what you do, but you, you've you allowed me to be a partner in Town Hall. And when somebody goes on social media and says something negative about Town Hall, I take it personally. Oh, boy. Uh, I know you do. I know how challenging social media has become and damaging permanently someone's business because you had a bad experience. Have you ever burned a steak? Oh my God. Have yeah, you ever yeah, course, um, dropped someone's drink? Yeah, okay. Uh, welcome to the human species. Yeah, yeah. Um, nobody intentionally does that. But, but I guess what I'm asking is I'm not calling you an old soul in a new world. Um, but I know you to be an old soul. Yeah. I know you to be serious about service and quality and, and taking care of customers. You're 65. Any idea how much longer you want to do this? What What is the other side of? Have you thought about what the other side of Redbone Alley looks like? Well, yeah, recently I have. Um, you know, obviously COVID was a challenging time for our industry. What um, was most challenging? I'm interrupting, but what oh, was yeah. most challenging about COVID? Well, I mean, you know, I just never imagined that that the government would be so involved in your business. They came in and shut you down, and and um, and more importantly, I mean. Yeah, we we built a, a, an interesting restaurant with ovens and chairs and stoves and things like that. But all those things are replaceable. What's not replaceable are the people that run that, because that's what hospitality is. It's about the people that that are inside those those four walls. And um, and the government went out and, and said, "I tell you what, we're going to do. We're going we're going to compete for your employees. We're going to pay them a lot more than than they can make in the restaurant business." And um, and guess what? They don't have to work. They can sit on their ass and not do anything. And that pissed you off? Well, of course it did. And uh, and humans are humans. And um, I get it. Somebody says, hey, man, I'm going to pay you a bunch of money to sit on your duff. And, uh, you know, you can fish or chase your wife around an apartment or whatever. You're going to do those things. And um, and it just got to be, well, you know, in a, in a business where you have people that, you you know, you, you rely on. It's it, the service industries took a beating because of that. You know, I mean, we get into a political conversation, but the government screwed up in a major way, in my opinion. And a lot of restaurants haven't recovered from that. You know, um, we don't feed as many people as we did. We're still very, very busy, but um, um, primarily we uh, don't because we don't have the, uh, uh, the the staff to do that. And so, yeah, you know, it, it'll, it's going to take a little bit longer to, to build it uh, back to what it was Um with with a staff and and you know because we make a lot of restaurants bounce back a little more quickly uh, than we did because all they're doing is pulling something out of the freezer and putting it in the microwave. Our stuff's made from scratch. I mean, I gotta. I mean, you know, we buy 
I got my own honeybee hives to make honey mustard out of. You know, Campbell Cox grows our rice. We still buy from those farmers. Heck, we have a farm. We grow a lot of our own stuff because those are great ingredients, and we use those great ingredients to make our food from scratch. Well, that lends itself to human error. You know, there's no, you're not going to make a mistake if you punch that thing in a microwave and just punch a number. But for us, we're making it from scratch. And so without trained people, um, it, it's more difficult to do. And so it takes, it's taking a little time to put that together. And, uh, you know, we lost, I think Redbone went into the pandemic with, uh, I don't know, 90 something employees. And, um, uh, you know, maybe we have 60-something now, maybe. So made it harder. Made it more difficult, yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then on the backside is, is inflation. I mean, it just costs too damn much to eat out. It just costs too damn much to eat out. And I own restaurants for a living. I know it's just ridiculous what it costs. But, I mean, you won't believe how expensive it is for us I, to buy I, I want to share this because I think this is important. I mean, you and I spend a lot of time together. We, we're in yeah. business Together, we do some partnerships. Um, you threw me a menu one day and said, look at this menu. And I'm looking at the menu, and I'm going like, yeah, it looks good to me. I mean, you got these appetizers, these entrees, these salads. Here's your beverages. And he said, look at look at the prices. He said, I'm charging somebody $20 for a hamburger steak. Yeah. I should be ashamed, but you've got no choice. Well, you don't, Well, you, you have a choice. You don't, and you just have to close your business because you're going to go broke pretty fast. But, uh, you know, inflation is terrible. I mean, go – Buy uh, what do they call them uh, at McDonald's? Uh, not a happy, not a happy. What do they call them? Big Mac meal Big, for eleven yeah, yeah. or twelve dollars. Yeah, it, it, it's insane, and um, that bothers you. Yes, it bothers me because it screws up the 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 value equation. It's just not worth that a, a, a Big Mac meal for twelve dollars. You know, and and I'm not willing to cut. The, uh, the quality of what we're giving them, and um, um, yeah, damn right it does. Um, and and I hate it. People work very hard for their money, and they choose to come spend it with us. I want to give them a great value. And if you if you charge more than I think you should, because you have to, you know it it it. I don't like it. I mean, it, it's difficult. It, you know, and I, I I'm a, I'm a consumer too. You know, I mean, I stopped by Chick Fil A this morning uh, to get some a tea and and. A little biscuit, nine dollars for tea and a biscuit. It's ridiculous. Let, let, let's but, but go. But I, I have very little control. Well, I mean, I, I, and I get that. I mean, you've, you've explained that to me and, and show me yeah. some of the invoices, and I'm like, wow, okay. Um, and we can talk collusion, a big fan. Anyway, we'll, we'll we'll let that be. We won't be political until yeah. until the next podcast. So, so you can't run Redbone forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What? What? I mean, it's your baby. I mean, it's not Griffin, it's not, it's not Allie, it's not Leslie, but it is a member of your family. Oh, yeah. It's important to you. It's important to this community. I mean this sincerely. We throw around Icon a lot. We, we throw around, you know, I mean, I've, I've told, I've told uh, Dale this personally, and I'll probably get emotional when I say it. Mm-hmm. My family had some pretty hard days. Yeah. And, and I've told you that the only thing that we could count on was everybody getting together on Sunday at Redbone. We'd done it for 25 or 30 years. We were fighting some demons. We were, we were having some hard times. That meant a lot to you. I, I knew it meant a lot to you. There, there's a million other people like me out there that, that are not thinking about what Redbone is like after Dale Barr, but you've got to be thinking about it. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we've got families that have celebrated 
every birthday for 30 years. We've got kids working for us now whose parents worked their way through college at Red Moon. That means a lot to me. Um, uh, no, I, you know, I'd like to slow down. Um, I'd like to slow down. My wife's been unbelievably patient with me and, and, um, um, you know, we, 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 we are involved in a couple other businesses and, um, and, and those businesses, I don't feel like I need to be there, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so I would like to slow down. And honestly, what I'd really like to do is find, um, some young folks, you know, one or two people, um, that, that, that have some of the the um, the traits that would that will take to be successful in a restaurant like that, you know. If they, 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 what they are have, those traits? Oh, primarily a servant's heart. They want they they, they screwed up DNA. You know, <laughs> want to make other people happy. Um, um, need you know good good work work ethic. Um, uh, you know, the, those are the, those are the, you know maybe maybe a little creativity is it would be beneficial. Knowing a little bit of something about food is a good thing too. Um, you know, I was given an opportunity. There's no way we could we couldn't have, I mean we couldn't afford. I had a hundred literally a hundred dollars to my name when 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 we bought PAs and um, Pasco Field. Um, uh, you know, agreed to to let me buy it with no money and finance it for me, and. Um, um, and she didn't know us, and and um, and because you know she gave us this opportunity, we 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 were lucky enough to to make it work, and um, you know we worked hard, and and it seemed to work. Um, and for you know, last two or three years, uh, I mean, obviously I knew I was you know going to get this age at some point. I thought I did would, and um, the best thing for me and my family and for the restaurant because the restaurant should can and should continue for another 20 years. There's no reason why, you know, because families are getting, they're coming in, you know, new and new families are coming in our community every day. Um, Give somebody the same opportunity that was given to me. You know, if I could find, uh, you know, a couple of young guys, girls, whatever, and and say, come here, let me show you how we've done it. Um, You know, let me stay with you for a little bit. And then, you know, here's some, you got more energy than I have, and more, and and some fresh ideas, and and um, and give them a similar opportunity that I was given. It's a little, you know, uh, you know, pay pay forward or pay back, or however you say it and look at it. I'd like to like to do that. We had a, a succession plan um, in place. My kids didn't want anything to, to do with the restaurant business. They're doing their own thing, and one's an attorney, one's doing the corporate thing, and and both, you know, wonderfully. Uh, thank goodness, doing great. And, um, um, you know, uh, we had a plan and then COVID kind of unwound it. You know, those guys just kind of, you know, the two guys that would take it over just kind of, you know, fell out for, you know, health reasons or whatever. And, um, and so, yeah, we're, we're kind of there now. I mean, I'd like to stay there and, 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 and figure out a way how to, uh, 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 ensure the business continues, um, you know, for another you know, generation or two, because it can. I mean, you know, thirty-something years for restaurants is unheard of, and um, and I still believe that that the idea is still um, is still sound enough to keep going. You know, we because we're so old. I mean, <laughs> people would laugh if they knew how ch- cheap our rent was and that kind of stuff. But um, 
It's, you're, it's, you're a good negotiator. I've yeah. been on, I've been on the receiving end <laughs> of uh, of your good negotiating skills. I don't know about that. But, I mean, and the reason I'm asking this, and you know how aggravated I get, and Dale talks me down sometimes because he's my friend and I'm loyal to friends. I read some of these Facebook posts yeah. that you know it's closing Monday, it's right. closing Tuesday, it's closing Wednesday. I mean, you've got you still got a wife and and, and some livelihood to support, oh, yeah. but but you are beginning to consider what life looks out. Looks like post Redbone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I, you know, I've got no interest at all in in closing that business because it's a very healthy business. There's no reason to close other than I'm 65, and um, um, I'm smart enough to know that what's best for me and my family and what's best for that restaurant is not to have some old goat like me running around trying to to continue to run it and. Um, it's a young man's game, young you know, young person's sport. I mean, you know, they need a lot of energy, they need fresh ideas. And and um, you know, our buddy Joe Edens told uh, we were in a meeting, you, the three of us one time, and what Joe Edens told us that day was that he couldn't help but get old, but he wouldn't let his business get old. And he surrounded himself with young, energetic people, and, t- and that was a brilliant thing. It was just wonderfully brilliant to me. And um, no, I think this, you know, what we've got is something that, that, that has longevity, proven longevity. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't want somebody to come, you know, write me some giant check and, you know, let me walk into the sunset. I'm just not really interested in that. I mean, I'll, I would take the money, of course, but that's just not, I mean, I want to make sure this business continues for a long time and and, uh, and find the right people to do it. Um, you know, maybe there's one guy, you know, I'm looking for, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you're actively looking. I mean, you're you're trying to find I'm getting, somebody. I'm, I, yeah, I've been I've been trying to find somebody for a while now, and and um, yeah, but I mean, the rumors that we're shutting the business down and all that—that's there's just we, that's just not where we are. And um, you know, I, and then you know how rumors get started, and then they just pile on social them. media. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. Well, and people make up their own story. And, you know, they're building a, a, a grocery store beside Redbone. There's a lot of construction going on. And so people just basically fill in their own blank, you know. And, um, you know, they just call and ask me. I'll tell them what, I'm, what, what my plans are. I mean, I, I'm, I'm literally trying to figure out. I know I'm not the guy to carry it 10 or 20 years. I just know that. And, and, and my wife deserves me to, to us to live a little but bit. But, Dale, I've, I've told you, I've t- I, when, when I sold my truck body business to my brother, I own half, he owned half, I sold out to him. I couldn't drive by the place. Yeah. I mean, my, my truck automatically wanted to steer in. I mean, it was, a, it was a part of my life. Redbone's a part of your life. Last question. Yeah. What, what are you most proud of, of the contributions Redbone has made to our community? You, you know, I, I think... Couple of two things, if I can. Uh, one, one is um, we've been fortunate enough to to support some uh, a lot of local causes in, in 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 our area, and 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 we tend to do it anonymously. You know, uh, we 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 we've given back a pretty good little bit, and and I'm very proud of that. Um, um, but the biggest thing I think is uh, is uh, the jobs that we've created you know, together. And, and, um, you know, we've employed a lot of people. Um, I'm proud, you know, we've got retirement plans for our people and insurance, you know, we've got all the benefits, not like normal restaurants do. And I'm, I'm proud of the security that we've been able to, um, to help, uh, create for a lot of people and, you know, a lot of people in Florence. And, um, 
yeah, if we've made a, if we've made a mark so you know so far, that's good, you know, and we'll keep keep plugging away at it for a while anyway. You know. very, very well explained. You know him as Dale Barth. I know him as America's host. <laughs> and uh, and when he says he takes great pride and joy and, and satisfaction in feeding you, he's the reason I can't get down to fighting weight. <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would abs- I go to the gym enough, but but I go to Dale's office, and the next thing I know, there's 60 pounds of hamburger meat. There's four deviled eggs. I mean, once again, it ain't Dale Barth. It's America's host. Remember that. Appreciate you, my man. Yeah, man, thanks. 